0: Hello, and welcome to today's ALN Academy podcast session on steps for NGOs to be compliant and risks such as corruption. This is Angelica, head of the ALN Academy. The ALN Academy podcast aimed to promote conversations on rule of law for the development of Africa. Today, we focus on compliance for NGOs. NGOs are not immune to compliance risk. Compliance needs to be structured to reflect the NGO's mission. Having a standard documentation and an insurance map for donors is key. There are legal consequences that could lead to personal liability with criminal consequences. Financial control is very important for the sustainability of NGOs. Regulatory enforcement needs to be unpacked and NGOs should understand the political context and the challenges such as corruption. If an NGO does not comply, its reputation can be significantly affected. Donors need a company that has a DNA of accountability and transparency. With this short introduction, listen to Chris Wallace, Head of Audit of the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies. Vilio Loves, Director at ALN Kenya and Darwala and Cana. And Aisha, Partner at ALN Kenya and Darwala and Cana, advising on steps for NGOs to be compliant and challenges that they face, such as corruption. These are highlights from the ALN Academy's webinar, the A2Z of Compliance for NGOs, hosted by the ALN Academy and the Thomson Reuters Foundation.
1: What risks, from your experience over the years, um, and consequences do NGOs face where they have poor or non existent uh, financial controls and what do they expose themselves to?
0: Um, In a lot of countries that we're uh, based in, there are high levels of day-to-day corruption, so this is what we call low-level corruption, where simply to get from place A to B, you will go through a traffic stop, you will be expected to pay a bit of money, to move your goods and to essentially do what is uh, something that you are legitimately entitled to do. There would be some sort of extra fee that you have to pay. And if you don't pay it, you won't get your work done. You won't do your business and you won't reach the people you want to help.
2: Simple steps, practical, can they take first? Like right now after this call or tomorrow or next week, what can an NGO do to be more compliant?
1: Thank you. I mean, um, I think it's as simple as start with the industry. So learn from other NGOs, learn from international NGOs. Don't don't reinvent the, the wheel. I mean, there are so many sectors that we're working with and they're learning so much from one another. There are certain templates, there's technology, there are certain things that you can, can get from them. Uh, and it won't cost you anything. So, so, so that's the first thing. Secondly, and and I think it it, it links to what Chris mentioned. Um, follow a risk-based approach. Understand your risk uh, or your risks. Make sure that you you respond proportionately to that. Don't go and design a massive and a heavy uh, framework if you don't need it. Understand your risk and make sure you you respond to the risks that you are facing. Um, get buying from leadership. I mean, if, if you're the compliance officer or head of audit or in the finance division uh, and you're tasked with this, get the buy-in from, from the leadership, demonstrate to them that there's value in terms of, of implementing this, um, demonstrate to them through a business plan, demonstrate to them that 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 it's the right thing to do, and then have the right attitude. I've seen so many entities, um, NGOs, NGOs were very heavy frameworks but they've got a tick box exercise. So so it's not about complying, it's about showing people that we're trying to comply. Um, and there's a there's a totally different mindset. So you can be very small uh but very personal and make sure that, that your controls are linked to the risk. So so even small organizations can get that right. Um, take small steps. Don't don't try and implement everything at once. It's, it's, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Make sure that you you, you start small um, and, and use the raise the awareness um, with the people in the business. So make sure that there's one person in finance, one pe- person in operations, one in HR, that's working with you on this thing. Then um, that will assist you in, ter- in terms of raise the awareness and also to, to make sure that you, you actually get things done. Um, then the last point I'm going to make um, is, or, or two more points, the last one, the, the second last one is review, evaluate and discuss. Those three words are, are key. So, so when you start implementing this, review it consistently to make sure it's proportionate, it, it addresses your risks. Um, evaluate your framework or the controls that you that you implement and then discuss it discuss it with management because that's the only way that you're going to keep the buy-in from them. That's the only way that potentially you can get some funding for for, for this. Um, I mentioned this before but I'm going to say it again it's it's not a one-size fits all. you have to make sure that it's it's fit for purpose for your organization. And the last thing I want to mention is is um, approach it holistically. Uh, Chris mentioned a very important thing where he said that some organisations are responding to certain risks. So today it's environmental. Now there's a team doing environmental. Tomorrow it's fraud, so there's a forensic team doing that. And then there's a team doing safeguarding. Make sure you've got one framework that's agile enough and you can can hook on more risks that you can manage holistically.
2: I think the first thing is, I've seen some comments in the chat about... Compliance being a donor's stick or small NGOs not having um, it not being part of their operation. I think that's, that's a key mindset point that you need to build your compliance framework that fits you and your organization. Not as Willie made the point, not just reacting to donor needs. So, the next area I think you need to build a culture of compliance, call it compliance, call it risk management, um, call it values, call it something that gets you, your senior leadership and your team on board, and it becomes just a standard part of your operations. I think when you try and bolt on compliance as an added extra, it becomes straight away seen as a burden. And that isn't just in small NGOs or mid sized NGOs, that's in every organization I've worked in in 20 years. Uh, It's got to be seen as as a core value that helps deliver for the communities they're working for. Um, On a practical point of view, I think first first of all, start by mapping what your compliance requirements are. As of today, what do you have to comply with? And then on top of that, layer on, what does your current control framework look like? because that will allow you, first of all, to identify any areas of over-control, the way your controls are costing you too much and taking too much time and removing your agility, but also identify any gaps in your current control framework that need to be addressed. It's going to help you balance. Many organisations do don't have lost sight of what their control framework is because it's built up holistically year on year, reacting to various different demands. I think the other side of it is to again, this goes back to the point of buy-in, is to really make get your teams to understand that compliance isn't just something for finance, for HR, for your sort of corporate functions. Compliance is something that works into, or I used to term risk management, it, into everything you do. It's part of your operations, so it becomes normalised. Um, I think also try. For those of you who are looking for donor funding or looking to work with donors, have a look around at some of the changes in the sector. So often there is indicators of where donors will be looking to put more focus on when it comes to compliance. Um, I would suggest right now with a economic downturn post COVID for many donors that financial compliance, so looking at external audits, looking at your finances, and looking and justifying how funds are being used. If I was a betting man, I would say, that is an area donors will be scrutinizing more in the next 18 to 24 months. And, and given that I've always focused on that, I think you'd be prepared for, for an uptick. Um, one of the questions in the chat was about how do you build a culture of compliance? And I'll end with this, it takes time. So going back to Wade's point, small steps. The key there is, toe to the top, it has to come from senior leadership. Senior you have to be bought in. If you try and implement compliance or risk management and senior leaders are seen to be saying one thing and doing something else, so not complying with their own rules and regulations, it will not filter through the organization. I would always encourage you to have a compliance or risk management champion at the very top of the organization, who is seen as credible. Then it's a case of education, education, education. Getting out to your teams, explaining to the new processes, the new policies, how they're going to work, and more importantly, how they're going to enhance the humanitarian work they're doing. You know, most people join an NGO to make, make the world a better place, not to tick boxes. So we need to help them understand how compliance adds value to the valuable humanitarian work they're doing. And then finally, to support that, there has to be a level of oversight. You can write all of the new policies, all of the new procedures, and you can set up new systems as much as you want. But if people don't follow them, then they're just going to be pieces of paper that sit in someone's desk. Um, So having a oversight function, be it a second line function in management with some basic spot checks on looking at what they're doing, how a new policy is being rolled out, perhaps for the first 12 months of its life, how people on the field are not only complying with it, but how are they finding it in its use? Is it supporting their delivery? Is it becoming a burden? That kind of oversight is really important. It's not just a, a stick to say you've been naughty, you've not followed the rules, but also it's getting feedback on if the rules are effective. So it allows you to make changes to your framework. Um, And I would always, as an internal auditor, encourage um, some form of internal or external audit review of any changes to your control framework. So again, give you feedback to see how it's working. Um,
0: Thank you very much for listening to us today. You can watch the complete webinar at the ALN Academy's YouTube channel. Please keep tuned for more content on rule of law. See you in our next episode. Bye.